You know, sometimes when you type out a word and you look at that word for such a long time, it looks like you spelled it wrong or it looks funny. Does that look funny to anybody else? Jason and I this morning before service were looking at it and Jason said, that N looks backwards. We realized that we were looking at it a little too long. It started looking Russian to me. And, and I, don't, I don't know Russian, but that's about what it looked like to me. Um, this morning we're in Acts chapter 3. And we're going to be spending a, this morning a standalone message uh, looking at something that I love to talk about, I love um, to be able to preach on. And it's, and it's that simple fact of what I talked about in my prayer this morning um, was that God is a God of new things. He's always doing something new. And what a great time to really be able to, to worship Him, um, to talk about Him, to praise Him um, for the fact that He is always doing something new. And this morning, with that being fresh on our mind, as we're ready to embrace um, a new year of God's blessing, we, we hope and we trust, and, and God's purposes in our life and through our life, um, I just want to be able to share a story with you that is so incredibly encouraging to me. Because, you know, we all love rags-to-riches stories. We all, I think that's one of the things that we love so much about the Bible and so much even about the story story of the gospel because it is, it's a rags-to-riches story. It's a story where we were absolutely morally bankrupt. We were absolutely separated and dependent on God. We had to come to God as literal spiritual beggars saying, God, I need what you have to give me in order to be able to be with you. And, and, And we had to come, we had to recognize our own spiritual uh, depravity in order to be able to come to him and it is it's 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 this this beggar this spiritual beggar this uh this this person who is literally at the lowest point of life spiritually and how christ comes into our life and does this work and literally makes us one of his children and and promises us all things uh, that he that he all the promises of God are yes and and I want to share with you this awesome story of a brand new life I mean an absolutely brand new life and it takes place in the third chapter of the book of Acts and though there are many stories of brand new lives in the Gospels and in the New Testament I want us to focus our attention this morning on this one individual he is a lame man who has never walked a day in his life from the moment he came out of his mother's womb, he was crippled. He lived to be over 40 years old. And this is the story of where he was, what Christ did in his life, and the effect that that had on him and on so many others. I want you to join me in reading Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate called Beautiful, which is at the temple. And they laid him there to ask alms from those who entered the temple. He saw Peter and John about to go into the temple and asked alms of them. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, 
But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Let me stop in verse 10. <sighs> Story. Brand new life, brand new situation. This guy is, let me tell you exactly where this falls in the timeline of Christianity. Jesus has ascended. Uh, the Spirit of God has descended. Pentecost has already come. Uh, the believers now have been filled with the Spirit. They're going out and ministering. And Peter and John, who had been buddies um, all throughout the recorded history that we have of them, um, are now seen going into the temple in the evening for the evening sacrifice. And this was uh, the popular time of the temple. This was about when they were done with their meal or getting ready for their meal. And then they were going to go in and worship and, and spend that time with the evening sacrifice of the day. So this time that the temple that they were going into the temple was when a lot of people were going into the temple. So this man was here at really prime opportunity. He was here at rush hour, if you will. And he had some friends, obviously, who cared about him, who, 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 uh, who were moved enough and who were compassionate enough for his case that they would take him and lay him at the gate of the temple, one of the gates, we believe it's the eastern gate, and they would lay him there hoping that someone would come by and, and out of the goodness of their heart going into the temple that they would be moved with compassion over this man's situation and that they would throw him some coins. Because of his inability to walk, he, was now resi he had to res reside as, as a beggar. He had to get everything that he could possibly get from the goodness and the benefit of others. This man was absolutely dependent on everybody else to survive. He was dependent on money that was given to him charitably by other people. He was dependent on his friends who came and laid him daily at the gate. Were it not for this man who had this circle of friends and some compassionate folk, I, I don't know that his life would be where it was at this time. If you remember in the Gospel of John, chapter 5, the Bible, there's a, an interesting contrast of, of people who are ill. In this story, this man had a friend or friends who would daily take him to the temple and lay him down. This man had people that, that loved him and cared for him. But if you recall in John chapter 5, when Jesus comes to the pool of Bethesda, he finds there that there's a man who had no friend. He finds that there's a man who was laying by the pool waiting for the waters to stir and was hoping that someone would push him in. But the man tells Jesus he has no man who will put him in the pool. It's always good to have someone who cares about you. It's always good to be a person who is caring and concerned and compassionate for the needs and the situations of other people. And this man here, as his daily routine was, and we believe for around 40 years of his life, he would be carried daily and laid at the gate. He was obviously a common, uh, it was a common scene to see this gentleman there. Now, I'm sure he wasn't the only one who was laid at the gate. 
I'm sure he wasn't the only lame one or the only beggar that would have been found around the temple. But no doubt, knowing his condition was over 40 years, as verse 22 tells us, knowing that he, that he was laid there daily, he had to have become a very common person to the people who would enter and exit the temple. In fact, Peter and John may have ran into this man before. In fact, Jesus may have walked right by this man also at some point in his life and his earthly ministry. And I want you to notice several things that make this a true rags-to-riches story. If we're going to be talking about the newness of this man's life and the newness of this man's situation, I want us to notice really three elements that are necessary ingredients for this to have even happened. And the first one is this. The awareness of Peter. The awareness of Peter. Notice what it says in verse number 2. Or verse number 3, excuse me. When this man who's laid there, it says he sees Peter and John about to go into the temple and he asks them for alms or asks them for a charitable gift or a donation. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So the man, the beggar, gave them his attention expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. There are a couple of things that, that Peter does. Now, we don't know what it was. We could speculate about this man laying there at the, at the, the temple gate. And, and we could speculate that he may have seen uh, love in Peter's eyes. Or uh, we could speculate that he may have seen something different in these two men who were filled with the Spirit and no doubt filled with the love of Jesus. Maybe we could say that he, we could speculate that this beggar looked up and saw something different in these men, that these men appeared compassionate. But the text doesn't tell us that. The text just tells us that, they're blind, that the beggar looks up and sees Peter and John. And then the text tells us something. It does tell us that then Peter looks at him as this man asks for a charitable gift. Peter says, look at me, and fixes his eyes on him and tells him, I don't have any money. I do not have a dime. But what I do have, I'm going to give to you. Two things Peter recognized. One thing was this, he recognized the man's real need. Peter recognized the man's real need. What do I mean by that? Would it have been wrong for Peter to have given him some coins? No. It wouldn't have been wrong at all for Peter to have, have given this man some coins, but Peter had that ability to see this man who had been sitting there. Obviously, no doubt he had seen him there before and had come up to him and here this man is crying out to him for just a little bit of money that might buy him a little bit of bread to get him through for just another little part of the day until he repeats the cycle all over. And no doubt, Peter, hearing this man say, Do you got a coin? Hearing this man say, do, do you have some money that I can have? Can you help me out? Peter, obviously recognizing this man's need, is not money for another bite of bread. This man's real need is that he can get up and walk. 
This man's real need goes beyond his ability to be able to to get money. This man's real need goes to that he needs to be a brand new creation. Do you remember the man named Bartimaeus? The Gospels tell a story of a blind man sitting on the, on the highway side begging. And he was outside of Jericho. He was in between Jericho and Jerusalem. And Jesus had just passed out of Jericho for the last time. And he's on his way to Jerusalem to die on the cross. And as Jesus is passing out of Jericho, going to Jerusalem, he passes this man Bartimaeus. And when Bartimaeus hears that it's Jesus who's walking by, he cries out saying, Son of David, have mercy on me. And when Jesus, he gets this audience with Christ, and Jesus says, ask what it is that I shall give you, meaning, what do you want? How can I serve you? The blind man doesn't say, well, I could use some money. That's what he was asking for before. He was sitting on the highway side begging. He had his garment laid out in front of him, hoping that a passerby would come and throw some change down in there. And then at the end of the day, he would scoop it up and take it with him. And when he meets Jesus, he doesn't ask Jesus for some money. He doesn't ask Jesus for coins. He says, Lord, that I might receive my sight. That was the real issue in Bartimaeus' life. The real issue wasn't that he didn't have money. The real issue was that he was blind. And because he was blind, he couldn't work. And he had to rely on the benefit of other people and the charitable gifts. His life was absolutely revolving around the fact that he was blind. This beggar, his need, his real need was not more money. His need was a new life. And Peter knew that. You see, oftentimes in our life, when we are in that role of Peter and we're going through life and we're going down the streets and the highways and the byways of our life, and we run across people and God brings our paths across, we need to be very sensitive to those lives that God intersects with us. This is an intersection right here. Peter and John going into the temple. There he is. This guy cries out to him. God made this divine intersection, this divine appointment. And I believe that in our lives, when we come across those divine intersections, when we're crossing other people's lives, we need to say, God, what is this person's real need? God, how can I help this person in their most legitimate, in their most core need? What we found in the needs that we've been meeting since May, what we have found is that many of the needs that we've been meeting haven't been the physical needs. Many of the needs, many of the real needs, the the spiritual diagnosis was a new life in Jesus Christ. And Peter recognize that it wouldn't have been wrong for him to give him money but it wouldn't have helped what the man's real need was peter recognized realized that what this man needed was a brand new life but the second thing peter realized is crucial peter was fully aware of the power and the capabilities 
of God. Peter was absolutely aware that this man needed a brand new life. This man needed a healing. And in order to have a healing, Peter had to know that if this man's going to be healed, he's going to have to be healed by Christ. He came spiritually diagnosing this man's real problem and then trusting that the name of Jesus Christ was powerful enough to give this man something that he truly needed. Those two things are important. It's one thing to make a spiritual diagnosis, and it's another thing to not know the true medicine that's able to make it happen. Peter knew both. This man has a need, and I know that the name of Jesus Christ, I know that God is able to make it happen. Now, it doesn't say, there's really not much detail on any discussion or any prompting or or any deep spiritual insight that, that Peter had. All we know is that Peter came recognizing this man's true need, his real need, his core issue. And what we do know is that Peter was totally sold out and aware of the capabilities and the power of God. I want you to notice something with me for just a moment. Look at verse 7 with me for just a moment, please. He took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. Of the four Gospels, Luke is one writer. Luke also, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, penned the book of Acts. Luke was not just a great journalist, but he was also a physician. So it only seems fitting that in Luke's account, in Luke's story of the book of Acts, that we would have such a, such a physician's point of view to describe this lame man that he had been 40 years old and, and what his activity was and, and what had absolutely occurred at the moment of that healing and what particular parts of his body were changing and the miracle in very specific ways and how it was working to bring it about. We, we understand this now through the eyes of the physician. But I want you for a moment to consider this, this, this beggar for just one second. Because if you think about it, you may say, Pastor, I, I've been able to walk. I, I've, I've ne- I can't relate to the situation that this man's in. Uh, you may say that you really don't have many, if any, uh, physical ailments or setbacks. So you might think, well, what's the deal, Pastor? How, how can I relate to this? Beyond the obvious physical situation of this man there is a spiritual picture given also there's a physical reality of the situation he is in but there's also a spiritual picture of sinners too you see i told you earlier that each one of us that is sin has become separated from christ 
And I told you that we love rags to riches stories because the book of the gospel is truly a story of redemption. It's, it's something being purchased. It's, it's something being possessed. It's something that was awful being made into something good. It's something old being made into something new. And really, if you think about it, just like this beggar was physically, we also were spiritually. We were unable to walk. Spiritually, we were unable to walk. We were unable to to walk the path that God determined and designed for us. Because of our sin and our sinful nature, we were unable to walk the paths of righteousness. We were unable to put one spiritual step of progress in front of the other because of our sin. And much like that beggar, we found ourselves literally at the bottom floor. There there are no good sinners. We're all bad. There's no good sin. And like this beggar, we found ourselves at the very bottom, at the very lowest point, unable to take care of ourselves. Absolutely, totally dependent on someone else's action to get us through Absolutely, totally dependent on someone else's goodness in order to get us to the place where we needed to be. Can I tell you something else about this beggar? Whether you are a believer or an unbeliever, whether you've ever come to faith in Christ or not, there's something that rings true with this beggar in his action that I'm reminded of, that I struggle with. When this beggar was sitting there at the temple, at the gate, he was asking only for money. Because in his mind, money was what was going to get him another day. In his mind, the charitable donations of other people was what was going to provide food for him for another day. He never asked anyone to heal him. Obviously, if that was the real problem, obviously if that man would have deep down, his deepest desire would have been that he could walk, that he could be healed, that he could have a new life. He never asks for that. All he's asking for is money or some type of charitable donation to be given to him. Something that is temporal, something that is possible, something that is imperfect and is never going to meet his true need. But it was something he could get. And you know, in my life, sometimes as a believer, rather than trusting in a great big God, sometimes I go around and only ask for those things that are possible. And sometimes I go around only asking for those things that are temporal, rather than coming to faith and say, God, you're a great big God. And God, you can handle great big requests. And God, you know what my deepest desire is. God, you know what my true need is in life. And God, I'm going to ask. For that which is the most important core need in my life. And not be afraid to let it be big. And this man, obviously, what made this man's life new was the awareness of Peter. 
Peter caught this, this guy caught, Peter caught his eye and then Peter got his attention. Peter communicated those words of faith to him. The second thing that were necessary in this was the need of the beggar. You can't have a new life if you don't recognize your old one's not right. This man recognized his needs even though he didn't ask for what his true need was. But the third thing? Third thing. The most important element of all. Of all of the ingredients that make up this new story. The third ingredient is the most important. Because see, there can be people around you that are aware of your needs. You can be aware of your needs. But apart from the working of the power of Jesus Christ, there really is no newness. You can have people tell you that you need to know Christ. You can know it yourself. But until you come to the place where you ask Him to be your Lord and Savior for the forgiveness of sins, until you ask for that new life as He has prompted you and laid upon your heart and you experience the power of Christ at that moment of salvation, you're never going to be new no matter how much someone tells you you should be or you can be and how much you know you need it yourself until Christ moves and works in you. There is no newness. And this man had an awareness of Peter. There was the need of the beggar and then the power of Christ. Notice in verse 7, he took him by the right hand and lifted him up and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. Guys, I love those few verses. There are a lot of things in the Bible that I can't relate to. There are stories or situations in people's lives and encounters in the Bible that I can read them and I can teach on them, but I can't relate to them because I haven't experienced them. And the same is true in your life. And many of you have gone and are going through things that I, 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 can't, I can't reach, I can't touch, I, I, can't, I can't go through them with you. I, I'm distant from them because I've never experienced it. But let me tell you one thing that just blows me away about this story. Verse 22 tells us that this man was more than 40 years old. And from the moment he was born, he was crippled. He had never taken a step on his own. You might remember it was almost two years to the day. January 3rd was the first time I stood behind this pulpit and shared with you guys as your pastor. Three days later, I broke my stinking ankle. I was in a little cast thing and wrapped up for a few months. And I remember someone telling me that had broken a leg, oh, you're going to have to learn to walk all over again. 
No, I'm not. You're going to have to learn to walk all over again. When you get that thing off, you're going to have to learn to walk all over again. I said, no, it's only been a few months. My first therapy session, I felt like, I felt like a newborn. My first therapy session, it was this leg, and they had me stand on this leg to balance. You know how long they wanted me to balance? Five seconds? Five seconds? No big deal. Whoa! Whoa, they had to hold me up. I literally had to learn, not not on the level that some had, but I had to learn to balance again. I had to learn to walk. Guys, I didn't, I didn't just throw that cast off and start running, leaping. I was barely taking steps. It was crazy. And the amazing thing about this story and what gets me is that I can relate. I see this story and I see a man who never walked. I see a man whose muscles in his feet had never moved. I see a man whose feet had never felt the full pressure of his body and his legs had never supported the weight of his body. I see a man whose body did not know how to work. Nothing had ever done that before. Guys, I was a few months in the castle and I took it off. My calf looked like my arm. It had shrunk that much. This man's legs had to have looked like that. Had to have. Do you know what I'm telling you? Guys, don't miss this. I think it would have been awesome had it said that he rose up and walked and took a few steps with the help of Peter and John, that would be maybe a little believable. To say, yeah, rise up and walk. And Peter grabbed a hold of his right hand and and John came over and and big John grabs his his left hand and they pick him up and they're they're walking with him and, and they're taking a few steps. That seems believable. That does not. Outside of the power of God. Guys, this was a brand new man from the moment he stepped up. From the moment he heard in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk from the moment he believed that word that was given to him, he immediately became a new man. Can I tell you something? If any man is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. My newness is not dependent on me, but my newness is dependent only on the work of what Christ has done. From the moment you get saved, you are just as much new then. This man is not just a picture of a physically debilitated man sitting, praying that someone is going to help him. This man is a picture of a lost soul 
sitting with his eyes to the ground, knowing what his real need is, but only asking for something that's going to get him by and pacify for a few more days, only asking for something temporal and earthly, never anything big and spiritual, never asking for that new change, but someone comes. Someone comes and says, there's a life out there that you can have. There's a life out there that can be brand new. You can be a brand new person, and this man hears it new to him and obviously he believes it and from the moment he believes it he becomes a totally different person this is so much more so much more than a picture of a physically debilitated man it's a picture of a spiritually lost soul who God crosses paths with one of His people. And that person is Peter, who recognizes this man's real need, who recognizes that God is able to do it, and this man obviously has a need in his life, so the need and the need meter meet, and when that happens, great things came from it. Do you notice that it says, and all the people saw Him walking and praising God. God used that new life in that man. To bring glory and honor and praise. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. This man, Peter and John, used that as a teachable moment. To tell everybody that it wasn't us that did it. But it was Jesus Christ. If you keep reading Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 4, that one lame man, 40 years at the gate called Beautiful, the one day that he was changed, as a result of his change, as a result of his new life, there was a tremendous revival and thousands of souls Thousands of souls come to faith in Jesus Christ. Christ doesn't just work in our life to make our life new. Christ works in our life to help other people have a new life too. I'm going to ask you this morning. I know it's just a date. I know it's just a calendar. It's just a month. But all those things aside, let me ask you a very important question. Do you know right now that you are a new creature in Jesus Christ? Do you know right now where you sit between you and God that you are born again. Can you go back to that moment in your life where you were sitting at the gate called Beautiful and someone spoke those words of truth to you to tell you that there was a new life possible? Do you remember that moment where you rose up believing the word of truth, believing the gospel of Jesus Christ and claiming at that moment that Jesus Christ was your Lord and Savior and confessing Him as such? And from that moment, the Bible says you will never be ashamed. You, my friend, are a new 
creature. You are in the hands of a God who is always doing something new. And if you're here this morning and you don't know, you can't remember that moment in your life where God intersected your path with the truth that you needed to hear. And you never remember saying, God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I need You. I know that I am spiritually bankrupt. God, I am absolutely unable to make any step in spiritual progress. God, I'm spiritually crippled. And I need You to do a work in my life. I need You to save me, God, and give me Your power. And the Bible says that when we ask Him to be our Savior and Lord and forgive us, He will do it. And you can do that today. You can do that right now. You can do that at this very moment. And there may be some this morning who say, Pastor, I know I'm saved, but I'm in a rut. Life doesn't feel new. I want you to know something. The staff, if that's you, the staff prayed for you this morning. Before service, we prayed specifically. Realizing that we don't always feel new. We don't always experience newness in our life, but we can go through spiritual ruts. And we prayed this morning as a staff, joining hands or joining in that circle of prayer, that God would make very real to each of us that are stuck in those ruts, that God would reveal to us what that issue is and help us deal with it so we could move on to the freshness and newness of life. Maybe we're not living in faith. Maybe we're not exercising the promises. Maybe we're believing lies. Maybe we're caught up and wrapped up and tangled up in sin to the point that it's hindering and affecting our relationship and our walk with Christ and whatever it is. I trust that God is able to reveal it to our hearts this morning. And we may be new, and this morning we can say, God, I am refreshed and revived. Father, I thank You. I thank You, God, that You know our needs better than anyone else does. And I trust You. I trust You, God, this morning to reveal to hearts, to offer that gift of newness and salvation through Your Son. All we have to do is to receive it, to believe it and to receive it. And God, I pray for those that may be here this morning that do know You but are just living in a spiritual rut. And God, I trust that You are able to diagnose that problem. You are able to search every corridor and corner of our heart You're able to search the hiddenmost part of our soul and our life. And you're able to draw out, God, what the real problem is. And I pray that when you do that, that we will agree with you about it as sin, confess it and forsake it, and move forward in a closer, more intimate relationship with you. Father, at this response time, we pray for those that are coming to be saved those that are rededicating their life, those that are coming to join this church. Lord, those that are surrendering a call to vocational ministry. And we'll give you all the praise and glory for it. In Jesus' name.